Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 26 today. In the last message of Genesis chapter 25, spoke of Isaac and Rebekah uh, having twin boys by the name of Jacob and Esau. And God said to Rebekah, as Rebekah had felt that there was an inner struggle inside of her, uh, she was wondering what exactly was going on. She was not expecting to, uh, to have twins, and she felt like something was definitely different. <laughs> and so God said to Rebekah that one of your kids would be stronger than the other. That the, the older shall serve the younger. And it was Jacob being the one that was in God's favor. In which we will see why in, in the near future, as I said once before. Uh, Abraham had passed away. And now the account of Abraham's descendants will be recognized through Isaac, his son, the son of promise. Uh, but in the previous chapter, the twins, they grew older, being uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, he, he liked to stay home and cook. Uh, Esau was, he was the outdoorsman who liked to hunt. So they were very different from each other being twins. Uh, they had very different attributes about them. And, you know, the parents, they had their personal favorites between the two, but God had already known who he wanted to carry on Abraham's blessed line. And when Abraham had passed away, Isaac inherited everything from Abraham. Uh, if you were in uh, chapter 25 with us, Abraham did have other children as well. Uh, after Isaac, uh, Abraham had remarried and was continuing to have uh, children at, in his, uh, at his older age, well over 100 years old. And so Abraham went ahead and give them, give, he gave everyone a little something and sent them off. But Isaac was the one who, who got the inheritance, the, the, the majority inheritance from his father Abraham. But the, the ultimate inheritance that Isaac got was, was from God. See, when God speaks to you as he did Isaac and Abraham, that is an inheritance like no other. To inherit the relationship with God that Abraham, uh, that Abraham had was an inheritance that any godly person would want. And as you follow along with the audio messages, I want to encourage all people to read this for yourself, to read the word for yourself as well, and see how God has operated in the lives of those closest with him. See, but as always, the glory to God is the emphasis. Some like to focus on the individual of the story, such as maybe Abraham himself or Isaac or whoever it might have been. But as for me... I want to go straight to the source, and that is the creator who is God himself, the author and the finisher of our lives, the one who created the earth, the universe, and heaven. And may we see the glory that he brings. And again, to focus on him and, and to focus solely on him. See, the Bible gives us examples of the people he used. He gave us examples of the people that that he used, people that fell, people that struggled. Everyday regular people, some were extraordinary people, whatever the case may be, it was God's hand involved. But the importance was always Him. And the calling and the importance of what we do here is to always make sure that the glory goes to Him. That it's not always just about us. It is partially about us, but it's more so about Him and what He's done and what He's going to do. That is the essence of true worship. The worship of God. And the worship of what he's done and what he's going to do in our lives for us in eternity. 
He deserves the glory. He deserves the worship. And, and, and may we see that. And may that be pointed out as we see exactly what he does. But you know what's amazing about God? Is, is that... Is that he loves us more than we could ever imagine. He loves us more than we love certain people that are closest to us. And so again, that's why I want to make sure that the emphasis and that the glory always goes to him. Because his his abundant love for us is uncomparable. And And I want to always do right by him. I think that anybody who is a follower of, of the Lord would want to do right by Him. So as we get started, we're going to see some really neat things here in, in what God has done for Isaac. But through that, we're also going to see the everyday trials that people go through, the everyday trials that people go through following God. But if God's for us, who can be against us, right? Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 26, and starting in verses 1 through 6. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws... So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So we're going to see a parallel life of Isaac and his father Abraham. You know, though Abraham had already passed away, you would think that we're reading the same chapters from chapter 20. So we're in chapter 26, but this is a very similar thing to chapter 20, what we're going to see. Because Abraham came here to the same exact place. And Isaac will do something that his father did in the same place. But, you know, the covenant with Abraham did not die with him. It followed Isaac. Abraham's descendants, as God promised, continued to Isaac. But there was one detour that God kept Isaac from, which was heading to Egypt, like Abraham did. And and once again, this was the second time that we read about that there was a famine in the region of Canaan where they were living. And it looked like Egypt was probably first on the list of Isaac, possibly, because back in these days, ancient uh, days in Egypt was a prosperous place. Uh, When famines hit in Israel, or Canaan at this time, uh, Egypt was normally prospering. Uh, Egypt was a representation of the world for a long time. And now we're seeing for the second time... This Philistine area, which is uh, located at the sea, the sea line near the Gaza Strip. And, and at one point, this particular place and those people became one of Israel's bitter enemies. Its, it, it's founders and their settlers originally were from the region of Crete. Uh, they were migrating sea people. And it was years later that they created a, uh, a god they worshipped that was half man, half fish. Kind of like a mermaid of sorts. And, and that was what the Philistines were. <clears throat> the Philistines were, were originally um, migrants from the, from the Crete area. Sea people, as they like to call them. So God told Isaac to dwell in this land. And, and he would be with him and bless him. 
And when Abraham went to Egypt on his own accord, it wasn't exactly in his best interest. But God delivered him. Uh, but how much better to hear from God where to go? You know, I, I was actually talking to somebody who moved halfway across the country. And he was visiting over the weekend and he said that, uh, you know, they should have never gone to where he did. And the reason was because he admitted not to praying about going. And, and that was the end result. And uh, there's a wonderful proverb in chapter Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9. It said, "Is the heart, it's the heart of, uh, of man's plans. The heart of man's plans is ways, but the Lord establishes his steps." And may we remember that as we continue here in verse 7. We always want to remember that yes, it might be in our heart's desire to do something, but but it has to be in the Lord's. It has to be by by the Lord's hand that guides us. You know, I, I think a lot of us can can attest that over the years, for those of us who have done something without praying, without seeking the Lord. And what Abraham would do, had done back in the day, if you weren't following with us in the earlier chapters of Abraham's life, Abraham did up and move to Egypt. And, and Abraham basically told his wife Sarah to to tell everybody there that you are my sister because they're going to see you and how beautiful you are and they're going to kill me in order to have you. So it worked for a short time, but God ended up revealing the truth. Uh, and so things didn't go quite, quite as planned. Uh, let's just put it this way, that Abraham had to basically go back to, to Canaan, but God's delivering hand was upon him. In this case, we just seen what God had told Isaac. He said, do not go to Egypt. So he was trying to detour him from where his father Abraham went. And he said, I want you to go here instead. Take a look at verses 7, and we're going to be looking at 7 through 11. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say that she is my wife, because he thought, Lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window... And saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife, so how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So this is where the apple didn't fall far from the tree here, as of the story of Abraham that I was telling you about. Uh, the, the time that he went to Egypt with Sarah, he told Sarah, Say you're my sister, because if they find out we're married, they will kill me and take you for themselves. God plagued Egypt, and the Pharaoh found out and rebuked Abraham for it. So not long after Abraham and Sarah moved to the same area in the Philistine territory, and he said the same exact thing to the king, uh, who was also named Abimelech. Uh, God spoke to the king in a dream because he put Sarah into his harem. Uh, the harem was a housing unit that uh, uh, that was put for uh, for women in, in your household or wives. 
And he told Abimelech that you took the wife of a, of a man by the name of Abraham, and if you didn't give her back, that you were a dead man. So he said, why did you do that? Why did you tell me that she's your sister, is what it was said to Abraham. So we have a very parallel story here. Now Abimelech was watching them out, um, watching them outside, and he put it all together. And whether this Abimelech knew what happened, um, you know, a hundred years back with Abraham, it didn't say. See, because back then when Abraham had did the same thing, and he went to the Philistine territory, that was a hundred years ago from this time. So this is obviously a different Abimelech, but the same exact place. Now, at least he said that they would have they, they would have had guilt if someone was to touch Rebecca, that there would be guilt, and at least there was a little concern in this place back then for doing such a thing. Um, you know, he he put a restraining order on the area for touching Rebecca, and as well as Isaac as well, and Abimelech. Whether he knew the story of Abraham or not, recognized the anointing and the protective hand of God upon Isaac. And after all, God specifically told him to go there, though. But what is neat to see is the protection God gives to his children and the provisions. I have heard many stories from many leaders and strong followers of God, the, the delivering from harm that someone uh, wanted to do to them. And there was a there was a blessed church that God was blessing from the time that it began for oh close to about fifty years that the. Uh, uh, the pastor had started the church there. And it's to my understanding that a city official did not like that church and what was going on over there. And this city official was bringing paperwork to the courts because they were attempting to shut them down. And on the way, on the way down to the court, there was a car accident involving the individual. And they didn't live through it. The person that was on their way to try to shut the church down died in a car accident. And and I have to say, what a horrible way to go. It's not something that we want to look at and say, well, that's what you get. But I tell you, God will do whatever he's going to do in order to, to continue his work. But we we see, we've seen throughout the Bible the many things that he's done for his people in order to protect in order, in order to continue the things. The heart of man is wicked out there. And, and so, to be in God's good graces is where we would want to be, is where we should be. And he gives us time and time again. He gives us time to, to repent and time to come to him. And again, I, I stress about the time being short. Because, because no day... Every every day that we live is never guaranteed. So again, to be in His good graces is exactly where one should be, and is where one would want to be. I would imagine, as I would hope. And as we look at uh, chapter twenty-six, verse twelve to twenty-three, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And then the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he had come very, become very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped 
uh, stopped up all the wells, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And they had filled them with the earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and so they did, and, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to to Beersheba. So this is a perfect example from the well-known verse from Romans chapter 8 that all things come together for the good of those who love the Lord. And all things come to those who are obedient as well. You know, we don't know what Abraham left Isaac in his inheritance. uh, As Abraham was extremely wealthy. But see, God added to the prosperity here. But perhaps this was the beginning of the Philistine rivalry, um, as this is the first account that we've ever seen of, of a Philistine rivalry. Uh, Gerar, where uh, he is located, is right at the desert. So for Isaac to find water in this location is like kind of like striking oil for our day and age. Uh, the locals were jealous that this newcomer uh, dug wells that were filled with water. So they, they go and mess with it. You know, the well called Esek, it meant, uh, Esek meant contention. And after the third time of having problems, Isaac decided to peacefully move on rather than fighting back. You know, I would imagine that Isaac would have been kind and gracious enough to share the water with uh, with those around him in need. But, you know, jealousy possesses people to think in, in other directions. But God commanded his people in in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 20. He said, you know, never take an axe to a fruit-bearing tree. <laughs> and God allowed the conflicts. And, and it brought him back to Beersheba. Uh, the compromise for peace was a good one as he got to, as he got to go home and, and be blessed continually. And, and as we speak of the land of, Can- the land of Canaan, it is, is, it's known as Israel today. You know, and during these times, famines were common in the land. We're gonna, we're gonna see that later on in the book of Genesis where we'll see another famine. But uh, over the years, it has been very prosperous in agriculture and, and many other things in Israel. You know, Israel being a semi-desert region, you know, they produce a majority of the, of the East and Europe's produce. Uh, plus, they, they actually grow bananas there. In some areas, bananas grow in more tropical areas, so that to me is a very interesting thing. And, and second, as of recent, you know they've become water dependent for life over there. Uh, they've um, they figured out how to dissolify the water from the Mediterranean Sea in, in, into fresh water, and, and and they've also purified wastewater for their crops. So so God is blessed the region as of this day and for many years in the forms of agriculture and in the forms of everyday need. 
See, again, I want to be in God's good graces. I would like to be around others in God's good graces. Iron sharpens iron. And, and may we see the depths of this chapter as, as we sharpen ourselves on the world's sharpest sword known as the Bible. Now let's go ahead and take a look at verses 24 through 35. And it says, And the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Pichal, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to him, Why have you come to me, since you hate me, and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace, you are now the, the blessed of the Lord." So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Shabbat. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took his, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of, of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So peace was made among Isaac and those who were those who were jealous of him. See, the presence of God came to Isaac and reminded him to fear not. You know, God is the mender of things that no person, no psychologist can fix. He, he is the miracle worker. See, when God influences the lives of his people, even enemies are eventually attracted to the light that God has shined upon you. You know, Isaac used a, a wonderful opportunity to reach out with the love of God here. And then we have Esau. <laughs> it's an interesting end to this, uh, to this particular chapter. Everything seemed to be going well. And then Esau's name gets mentioned here at the age of 40, who took on two wives that were from uh, the paganistic regions. So, we have Esau. The previous chapter, I mentioned that, that the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, how Esau was not in God's favor. See, the first reason was because Esau gave up his birthright for food. And now at the at age 40, he took on pagan wives who displeased his parents. See, it's bad enough, you know, in these days and in, in the culture, giving up your birthright was not something that people would normally do, yet alone for food, for for that matter. But in this case now, he, he started out doing that. So at the age of 40 now, now he decided to kind of go against 
to go against what I'm sure Isaac and Rebecca would have wanted, to go against what uh, to what his grandfather Abraham tried to implement in, in the form of Isaac. Abraham did not want Isaac to marry somebody from the region over there of the Canaanite region, and we can see why. Because of the things that have happened. It's always unfortunate when in-laws become outlaws. But this was due to a spiritual demise. The right spouse can either lead one to God by being salt and light, or lead one away from God by the influence of their darker, selfish ways. And so far as we've been halfway through uh, with Genesis, we have witnessed already many ways how God cares, and His amazing ways of provisions and protection. You know, again, I find myself quoting Romans chapter 8, and this time verse 30 and 31, says, Moreover, whom he predestined these, he also called whom he called. These he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, why did Isaac, why did Abraham, uh, why did Noah and his family... See, not just deliverance from harm, but the blessings from God. Well, there's only there's one simple answer, outside of many answers. But the simple answer was the deep relation and love that these people had with God. They walked closely with Him. They were obedient to their call within their lives, and they showed faith in the Lord God. You know, Jesus said in the gospel, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. And those who heard that 2,000 years ago, when he said that in public, you know, they should have known that from, from the examples that I just mentioned. Perhaps they did, but we know now. But knowing and wanting are two different things. Do we just know about eternal life or do we want it? Do we want, do we know the Lord or know about Him or can we say that we know Him personally? And again, I know I've mentioned it before, but how can, how can people say that they really know who God is if they've never really read the whole Bible before? And by His graces, may we be able to go through it together. But whatever the case may be, I want to give as much possible from every single chapter, every single verse. Because God is, God is again beyond measure. He is beyond measure. I mean, we can go to the Pacific or Atlantic Ocean or any ocean with a cup. And we can fill that ocean up. Into the cup. (laughs) And that's all we're going to get out of it. We can bring a thimble of it. We can bring a bucket of it. And it'll only, it'll only hold what we, what we bring. But you see, God is beyond that even. I'm not just going to show up wanting to know God, know about God with, with a thimble in hand. Or, or, or even just a bucket. It goes so much farther beyond. And so again, the the mission and and the calling is to know God and to know who He is and more importantly, importantly to be a part of Him. 
See, he, he knows who we are. He knows every single thing about us. But he wants us to know him. I know I've said before, we can, we can easily tell somebody everything about our parents, everything about a sibling, everything about a best friend or a close friend. We can tell somebody everything about maybe, maybe a fan uh, that we're a fan of, of a, of a star or, or of a musician or whatever the case may be. But what can we say about God and how much we know of him and how we know him? Well, the opportunity must be given at every message. If this is your first time hearing, I want to give the opportunity to receive the Lord. Because the Bible says that that we cannot get to God without Christ Jesus. And that was from that was from the word of God. So if you want to receive the Lord Christ in your heart, the Lord Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, and if you want to receive eternal life, then you can say a simple prayer with me. But you must say it in truth. And you must say it from the depths of your heart. Because you are, re- you are inviting Him into your, into your heart and into your life. So repeat after me if you feel led by the Holy Spirit. Father Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you, Lord, to receive me, Lord. And Lord, may you wash me clean of all of my sins, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for my sins. I pray, Lord, that you will receive me into your kingdom, Lord, when my time comes. As I receive you as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. And Lord, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing it is at at every message given. It is a blessing to know that whoever hears this, that you're just simply hearing the word of God. And that's what's most important. May you know him deeply in his word. May you know him deeply in prayer. May you walk with him at all times. And again, may God bless and keep you always.